Welcome to Who Wrote That Up For You, a daily podcast that shines a light on the American justice system and its role in empowering the powerful to take from you. The justice system is the only branch of your government where an individual, rather than the collective, can make the system act for you. It puts power in the individual's hands, but it's broken and being used against you at a time when you need it most. And welcome to Who Wrote That Up For You. I'm Sonia Ebron, a co-founder at Courtroom 5. And I'm Deborah Stone, the other co-founder at Courtroom 5. Got an exciting show lined up for you today. In a few moments, we will speak with Wanda Singleton. Uh, She is the owner of FYI Private Investigations, operating out of the metro Atlanta uh, area. And so we will speak with her about some of her uh, expertise and experience uh, in private investigations in just a moment. But before we get there, Deborah, what is on your mind today? I want to talk about this guy, uh, this attorney in Queens, uh, Jamaica, Queens, New York, who... um, you know, for years I had defended the police on federal charges as an attorney, but was very high up in the ranks of, you know, in his department. And one day he got arrested, basically trumped up charges. And uh, he eventually was acquitted. And so now he's suing <laughs> those same damn cops. Uh, <laughs> and uh, basically the police department that arrested him and the, the, uh, the uh, city and all that. It's almost like, I mean, he was very aggressive in uh, defending these policemen who had, you know, police brutality, who had, uh, you know, hidden guns, you know, on, on, on defendants and had done all these atrocious things. And he had, he was in the, why we can't, why don't we all just get along, you know, uh, uh, he was doing that before he got arrested, you know, was, was in the, you know, why can't we all just get along? And then he got arrested. And so uh, for me, it's, it's, I wouldn't say he's got his come up as that's not, you know, he, he did what he did, you know, and it's, there was nothing, I, I, I support him, whatever his job was, you know, you know, he, he's a lawyer, he does his job. Uh, but the thing is, he's an African-American male. It's, it's, it's so much car. I don't, I was, it's, it's so much, not karma, but so much. Give me a word for it to, to describe something that, that somebody experiences that they, they should have experienced before they got the job. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> that, um, it's, 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 um, he's no longer gung ho, <laughs> for example, with, um, defending policemen. And uh, it just, it just, you know, it's just a, almost like a, an ex, a sample, uh, an example case of what basically African-American males <laughs> probably should not do defending white cops in federal cases because, you know, I'm not saying they're all guilty, but damn, you know. <laughs> <laughs> kind of are, okay. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you know, it reminds me, um, of that old saying, you know, you lie down with dogs, you get up with fleas, fleas. Um, mm-hmm. you know? And so, yeah, karma, karma uh, is real. 
But yeah, and anyway, I hope he, I uh, hope he gets his justice, um, yeah. regardless. So yeah, yeah. But thank you for for bringing that up. At Courtroom Five, we believe the courts belong to the people, in particular to the people who use them, and we the people are coming to claim our courts. So if you are in court without a lawyer, or you need to sue someone and can't find a lawyer to represent you, get yourself over to courtroom5.com. Try a limited version of our services for free, and we hope to provide some relief for you there. At this time, it's my pleasure to welcome onto the show Wandel Singleton. Wanda's the owner, again, of, of FYI Private Investigations, operating out of uh, the Atlanta metro area. Wanda, welcome to Who Wrote That Up For You. Thank you for joining us. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate you. It's such a pleasure. I, I'd say um, somewhat often that I love speaking with uh, private investigators. Uh, the backgrounds are so unique uh, and the expertise. It's, there's so much to be done in private investigators. There's some, you know, who are focusing on, you know, sort of forensics, computer forensics and searching here and there databases. And then there are others who you find hiding in the bushes with a long camera, right, <laughs> or whatever. And there's just, I mean, it's it's across the board, the kinds of work uh, that gets done. Just And there's, there's information to be found in so many different areas. And it's really interesting to speak with private investigators who sort of know what they're doing and have a reputation uh, and do some do, do some really good work. So I'm excited to, to speak with you um, today. Let me ask, Wanda, if you would just tell us what your agency does and how you got into private investigations work. OK, what I do currently, I've done a various fields of investigation, but currently I'm focused on criminal defense. I'm board certified with a criminal defense training council. It's a nationally recognized uh, certification. It's intense training, and you have to have several comprehensive investigations in, in your expertise. A very intense training that I acquired that, that certification in 2018. And I've been doing criminal defense investigations since 2009. It's just where my passion lies. Unlike uncovering facts and helping others in the sense of making sure that their rights haven't been violated when they get a fair trial through, you know, under the umbrella of an attorney, of course, I'm tethered to the attorney and I act as an agent. And I, I'm somewhat their eyes and their ears. So when I get out there, based upon what their need is and the theory that they present as far as the case is concerned, my responsibilities normally becomes interviewing witnesses, locating witnesses, and like I said, analyzing the crime scene, taking photographs based upon what was said, who was there, uh, where they were positioned, same time of day that uh, occurred, and making, you know, seeing what's out there, what's out there that can provide more information, like where were there cameras there? Possibility we could get footage, but most cameras rotate in grace primarily. Normally when I get the case, it's been like a year or so. So the if the prosecution has that evidence, then we get that in discovery. However, like you said, you asked me what all I do. I also do family law, that's what I call it, but it's it's divorce, child custody, Due to the fact that Georgia is an ad state, 
adultery is considered an asset to someone who does, wants to leave a, a relationship because if their uh, significant partner is actually committing adultery, then they may not have to pay out. In child custody, most of the time that's dealing with takes care of the child in the best interest of the child. So if there is an understanding of where the child, who has custody, there may be an allegation from one of the uh, partners in that relationship that's stating that the person is maybe not taking care of the child the way they should be neglected or that they're not actually spending time with the child. So then that could be brought up in court to possibly lessen um, child support or, you know, where the child should actually live to be for its best interest. I do all sorts of surveillance. You know, surveillance itself is an art. Surveillance, I've done workers' comp surveillance. I've done, like I said, child custody, uh, parental fitness. I've also done, you know, work in regards to alienation. And, you know, because that's developed within the last 13 years. Also, I do service a process. And I've done that. I've been in business since 1997. I acquired my first PI license in California. I also, my second license is when I moved to Georgia in 2017. As soon as I got here, I just applied the test and I was up there writing. My background consists of uh, law enforcement and I was a correctional officer at, uh, at San Quentin Penitentiary for 10 years. That's where I got my foundation of um, legal training, criminal law, constitutional law. You know, I know that, you know, people here, well, I worked in a prison, but I was actually a, a, a certified peace officer. We were sworn in. So, yes, that's where I got my foundation. Uh, like I said, constitutional law, arrest procedures, civil rights law, rules of evidence, use of force, report writing, emergency operations, booking. I worked in our receiving and release for at least three years. And we were responsible for fingerprinting all the people that all the inmates that came in. The county came in to receive them. So we would have to classify them, book them, take pictures. So I learned a lot uh, about those procedures. First aid, uh, restraint techniques, of course, <laughs> and, and ethics, and, and the comprehensive training in um, prison gangs and that culture. Great deal of that. As an officer, I mean, we were responsible for incidents, and they, they were countless at San Quentin. There were always shots being fired and interviews to be done to find out what happened in the incident and, and implement many of the, the rules of the institution for a referral to the DA. I learned a lot about uh, guns. <laughs> I never held a gun before life before I got there. So I was trained with the Mini-14, 38, and the shotgun. So that was the basis. And then after working there for 10 years, I decided there's got to be something more. <laughs> so I, I, I became, you know, I found out about, you know, investigations and that I went to school 
for training and subsequently got my license because I had the, the criteria that uh, was needed over 6,000 hours of, of law enforcement experience to take the test. So California had an 80% failure rate exam. Actually, it was like 162 questions and it was a two-hour exam and I passed on the first try. So I was kind of proud of myself. You know, I started with my, a friend's attorney, someone that I had known a long time. She she was a paralegal when I first met her. She got her, her law degree and I started with her. And then, you know, I started building a large clientele throughout the years before I moved here. And I learned a lot and I've shown, you know, even at San Quentin, I've, I've shown, you know, my diligent efforts to do the best I can in everything that I do. I, I received the Warden's Recognition Award, which is very rare. It, for, it was for saving lives. We had a fire in, the, uh, in one of the, the sections, the housing units. And because they had these blankets that uh, if they catch fire, they had kicked off an, a, a fuel that is equivalent to the death chamber gas, the gas chamber. So we evacuated that unit within 15 minutes. And it was 500 minutes. So they, it, we saved them from a lawsuit. And then there were other things that I had done as well. There was a stabbing in the, in the institution. A sergeant was killed. And then they were planning on stabbing another sergeant who was my sergeant at the time. And there was this bunk leg missing. And the squad, the security squad team went in, locked everyone down for 12, 12, no, six months, six months after that sergeant got killed. And so what happened was I ended up on the bunk leg, even though, <laughs> even though the crew had went through. So I'm just saying that just to say that no matter what I, I get into, I, I, I put 100% into it. So. So then I'm, I build FYI research investigations, and uh, I initially started in, in Solano County, California, and then went from there to uh, Oakland, California, because there was more money out there. So there was more attorneys. And so from there, I, I worked and I built, built up a clientele, as I said, and I was able to to uh, continuously grow. I was able to show my skills. I was given opportunities because it, it had been kind of rough uh, in the field that I chose because there was predominantly white male. And I got a lot of resistance. I didn't allow it to, to, to affect me. I became the, the district governor for the California Department of California Association of Investigators. So I became responsible for getting um, professionals to come in for continued learning education. So I was responsible for finding a person, subject matter that they were expertise in, for training for all of us. So it was like 128 investigators that I was responsible for. And under, under uh, my leadership, we grew in number and the attendance grew. Because I was specific about who I wanted there, because there was I had got I've been in a 
been a member for a long time. And every time we had someone there, they just kind of just was selling their book or they were selling their own services. So I made them become more detailed so that we could learn and possibly get a certificate. Let me ask you, Rhonda, about your experience in Atlanta. I think your focus has been, and your reputation is probably built on your work with criminal defense uh, attorneys and and helping uh, people stand up against some of the the, the prosecutions there. Love to hear more uh, about just your experience and the sorts of things you you look to do when attorneys come to you to help in defending a, a criminal defendant. When I meet with an attorney in, uh, in criminal defense, they have a theory of uh, why everything played out. There are several defenses for a criminal defense. It could be an alibi. It could be the person was justifiably defending themselves or someone else. It could be insanity, which is very hard to prove. Or the person could just be innocent, you know, because the prosecution has a responsibility of, of presenting your case without reasonable doubt, with no reasonable doubt. So, I mean, that can be hard if the person isn't isn't guilty. So my responsibility in that is to be unbiased and objective and present a report with a, in documents, document whatever the, the crime scene did without, just to make whatever their discovery is saying whatever their charters are it's for me to to see if they have any teeth and any strength to it is that person the actions of that person does it fit the elements of the crime and even if the person has proven to have committed the crime there's other mitigation mitigating factors that the judge should consider to be more lenient to possibly get a lesser sentence. And that is if that person has has suffered any trauma in their lives, if they have any addictions or, you know, that has severely deteriorated their ability to to function, to make proper decisions. What was their upbringing like? You go back three generations to find out, you know, the status of their family. And if there's something that it has been detrimental to that person's growth that's passed on the generations, that's effective. If they had didn't have safeguards when they went through their influential years, you know, that impacts the human being. And so it is, it is my obligation to, I mean, I'm not a mitigation expert, but to, uh, to lay down the foundation to find, you know, give that, that information to the experts so that they can, you know, develop it for possibility of aiding the judge's decision on the case. So knowing their background, communicating with their family, getting to know their history is important. You want to know if everything played out the way the police said. You want to know that the police followed their constitutional right. They didn't violate the constitutional rights, but also that they acted acting in the the way they should as as far as their duties as peace officers. Did they give this person the proper treatment? No. When they wrote the report, was it in their words or was it in the person's words that they, you know, they interviewed? Did they ask 
of their, you know, the important questions. Did they hold back anything? One of the things is, it's very hard in this field is that our challenge is to be able to talk to the prosecution witnesses and most importantly, the victim. Now, I've done this for a long time and you got to have really thick skin. But I can also say that in my experience that I, if it's possible, then I can do it because it, I have been in the homes of prosecution's witnesses. I mean, <laughs> I've developed an ability to really, if it can be done, to have the subjects, to get the subject to open up, to build a rapport so that they feel, you know, comfortable. I mean, even with your own clients nowadays, I've seen where, you know, in indigent cases, and one specific case that I had, the young man didn't believe in the justice system in any shape, form, or fashion. And his mo- his grandmother was his was protecting him. She felt because whenever I would come to see him at his residence, she would answer the door. It took me two days of talking with her in order to get to talk with him, and I was his. Investigator, it took me a while. I mean, I I sat there and I talked with her. And she, you know, she had this TV show. She had every time I came by, Maverick. <laughs> so, and the second time after I spent an hour with her, um, she said, "I trust you." She said, "I want to have him talk to you." So it's this an art to. It's about your sincerity. I mean, people pick up on it. They know. Whether you care or, or, or you're there to, you know, to help them or th- you're just there to burn, you know, time. And so because I am sincere about what I do and I do care about, you know, my clients, uh, it's not my motivation. It's not about money. It's about, uh, being productive in society and helping people, um, get to the truth. Let me ask about indigent uh, criminal defendants, uh, briefly, because I know, you know, private investigators, you all have your expenses, you all have to have, you got to eat um, and, and house, right? And and the rates are significantly higher than most public defenders are able to uh, to pay for this kind of talent uh, and skill. What, what is the, what is the state there in Georgia in particular um, of indigent uh, defendants having access to uh, to their own investigators. Since I've been here, um, I've only known of, of one. Well, I'll just put it this way: I think I think nationally, most of those uh, most of the funds for those services are diminishing. I know a lot of people are having to pay for private attorneys. They cannot they can't afford. Uh, I mean, there's no program funding. So when I was working in California, it wasn't so much that they were saying that they were broke, but it was being controlled very tightly, the the funds. And a lot of investigators stopped even, you know, they wanted to remove their names from the list because they compiled a list of investigators. And I think 
it was like uh, they offered 55 an hour. And in California, that was really low. I mean, because at, at my peak, I, I was making like 125 an hour. But I would take those cases because especially focused, I focused more on the juveniles. But I took whatever case came up within that system. And most of the time it was juveniles. And it, it, was, it was very uh, ratifying to help mothers get their children back. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. I really appreciate that. Wanda, I will um, just want to share with our uh, viewers um, your website. Uh, this is FYI uh, Research and uh, Investigations or Private Investigations at uh, FYIPrivateInvestigations.com. Uh, for folks in the metro Atlanta area who need expertise, that you've got a, across a wide variety of areas there, but in particular, criminal defense uh, uh, should definitely seek you out there. Are there other places to find you online? Not yet. That's where I'm at. Um, I, I, I'm actually, I am a member of the Georgia Professional Private Investigators. So you can find me there. Fantastic. Fantastic. It's fantastic and, and great to, to hear about your experience and to, uh, to have you share that with us here. Really appreciate you and, and your work. We wish you continued success. We'll have you on again. Thank you so much, Wanda, for joining us. Fantastic. That is, that is great. Just good to know that kind of skill is available, uh, at least to, uh, to folks who can afford it. There's lots of, um, yeah. uh, folks who can. So that is fantastic. Deborah, what is the uh, answer to the last quiz and what do you have teed up for next? Okay. The question was a successful blank can end your case on its merits when no genuine issue of material fact exists. The responses was motion to vacate, or the choices were motion to vacate, notice of appeal, motion for summary judgment, motion to dismiss with prejudice, and of course, it's motion for summary judgment. Every summary judgment uh, case has to um, on the has to be on the merits, and there has to be no genuine issue of material fact that exists. Uh, in order for someone to prevail on a motion for summary judgment. That's why it's kind of hard to get. Okay, today's quiz, true or false? A motion to dismiss is an answer to a complaint. True or false? A motion to dismiss is an answer to a complaint. All right, you got a 50-50 chance of winning that one. I always enjoy the true or false uh, <laughs> questions there. So um, fantastic, fantastic. That's all we have for you today, everybody. Thanks for joining us as usual, and we will see you next time. Are you feeling beleaguered, angry, or afraid? As if things are spinning out of control and you're powerless to stop them? It's easy to just let things slide and hope they don't get worse. But they often do get worse. The thing is, you're not powerless. Our courts belong to us. And their purpose is to give power to the powerless. Don't let your grievances pile up without redressing them. You can handle this in court. Or if someone takes you to court, you can take them to school.